Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let's stand, please. Welcome all of you watching online. We pray that uh, the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ would touch your life and that it would change your life in every way you desire. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, happy Independence uh, Week. Um, We know that the 4th is on Tuesday, but we're celebrating a little bit today. And I love that God bless America. And, you know, as we were worshiping, there's so much going on in our culture today uh, concerning our country. it's been said, I have no scientific proof of this, but I have reason to believe that in our classrooms today, uh, some children are being taught to not like our country. And uh, the concern I have is that uh, what makes our country great is it began with one nation under God. Uh, we're not great because we're great people. We're great because we have a great God who has afforded us the freedoms that we enjoy. Many people have paid a price for those freedoms, and if we mistreat those or don't honor those freedoms that we possess, we're dishonoring those who fought for it. And uh, it's very, very important to me. The Bible says, whoever the sun sets free is truly free, or one translation says free indeed. And so with that said, I begin to ask the question, why then, if Jesus has set us free. Why do we not feel free, act free? You say, well, what what is acting free like? Well, you know, uh, many freedoms are are not stolen. They're given away. Um, When somebody says something about you or something you don't like, uh, all of a sudden, to to be honest with you, you're giving up a certain amount of your freedom. Uh, We ought to be able to uh, talk and even though we come from different perspectives, uh, even though we may not agree about things. Uh, Pastor Jesse and I were both had experiences in, in talking to atheists, and he and Kathy had an experience this past week talking to an atheist, and the atheist was surprised. He said, well, you know, everybody I talk to, or if I talk to a, a religious person or a Christian, they get mad. And, and Jesse, of course, you guys, the only person Jesse can possibly get mad at would be Kathy, and and Kathy get mad at Jesse. I mean, that's what marriages do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of like we can tick our spouse off, you know. But the reality is, to me, freedom to me is when I know I'm free is when somebody so radically different than me doesn't irritate me. Now, you know why? I'm free because I'm free to believe what I believe. And, and I can only allow you, you can't make me, but I can allow you to encroach upon that freedom of having my joy regardless of our differences. And that's where I think we've lost it as a nation is that we get angry uh, versus having discussions and, and trying to find a resolve. 
And then at the end of that conversation, we ought to be able to look at each other and say, I love you anyway, because that's what God does to us every day. I love you anyway. Your stupidest day, I love you anyway. And, and that's how come the Bible says love never fails. And so at the end of the day, I can tell when I'm giving up freedoms to other people that, that I can stay free even if we don't agree. That's a Dr. Seuss quote for me. Stay free if we don't agree. That's not Seuss. That's me. Okay. So today we're going to do something a little different, and I, uh, I say do something a little different. I haven't preached a message on this in forever, and it's entitled The Judgment of a Believer's Sin. I'm doing this because, number one, many people live under this cloud of a bondage, of guilt, and uh, that you're always thinking in the back of your mind when you feel like you're doing something wrong, you feel like you've done something wrong, and, and that feeling will do one of two things. It will motivate you if, in fact, you are living wrong or doing something wrong. It can motivate you to draw near to God and press into God because you love him so much. Or that behavior can separate you and press you toward living a life of condemnation and guilt. And the Bible states that there is therefore now no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So the battle rages not for your eternity so much because you've been bought with a price, you belong to God, but the battle rages here on earth for you to lose your joy, lose that freedom, lose that peace, living your whole life in bondage to your behavior instead of your acceptance. What do I mean by that? Your acceptance of Christ. Now, even on my worst day, my most sinful day, I am in Christ. And I am born again. And I am going to heaven. I'm not going ever because I was good, and I'm not going to hell because I was bad. I'm going to heaven because he's good, and I've accepted him. And this is really hard for people who grew up in church and were taught their whole life uh, to be afraid about eternity, to be afraid of death and uh, the sting of death. But Paul said that's gone in Christ. And so what I hope to do in, in this message today and probably next week is to hopefully inform you or give you some information that will empower you and enable you to live a joy-filled life even though you're a mess. And we all are a bit of a mess. And so I'm not minimizing, again, the passion, desire, or, or responsibility to be holy as he's holy to follow him, to be led by his spirit. I'm not discounting that. But I'm pretty sure that there are days, and, and Susan would confirm this, that I'm not led by the Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> I really want to be. I really endeavor to be. I really desire to be. I have a passion to be led by him. And, and to me... That really is the crux of, of the issue here is, do I really want to? And, you know, I've talked to people who really were pretty bad in their behavior, but they said, I really don't like being this way. 
I don't want to do the things I'm doing. Even the apostle Paul, the great apostle, why do I do the things I don't want to do? He's asking himself the question, and, and, and why, why is that? What, what keeps me from that? And he, he, he has this perplexed moment in Romans chapter 7. And, and it's one of the most profound scriptures because he's like almost in need of being institutionalized because he's so conflicted by his flesh and his behavior and the things he's doing. And so I used to live my life that way thinking, man, if I had a great week, me and God were good. I just got to tell you something. God's good all the time. And so it's not like I'm going, well, you know, it's been a great week, God, and applaud me. Have a celebration in heaven for me. Get the angels, rally them. Mark did good this week. And so the challenge is we, we, when the word judgment comes up, people panic. I used to panic. They, oh, my, 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 my. But there are different judgments for different reasons, okay? So John chapter 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, now listen to this, has eternal life. Now, you can take... And, and you, can, you can read that scripture and you can embrace it. Then you go read, the, be holy as he is holy. And, and so many other verses that, that God is addressing to the people then and now. But what we have to realize is sin is present, ever present in our world and even in our lives to pull us down, to hold us back, and to keep us from our destiny. It cannot do that without our permission. Now, many people say, well, you know, I, I, sin just has a hold on me. No, 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 no. You have a hold on sin. <laughs> and there's a big difference. See, I, God has a hold on me. And he, never gonna, he said he's never going to let go. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So God has a hold on me. So it's not sin controlling me. It's me submitting to the sin that I desire. So that means I grab hold of sin. But when I got born again, I was cleansed of that sin. But I go back, like you do, and grab hold of it every now and then. And so we get all afraid about judgment. The reality is I judged myself in 1977, which was the Fred Flintstone era. <laughs> so long ago, I hate to even use 1977. But that was when I got freed. I was set free. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Totally, truly free. And yet I keep, it's, I feel like Otis on Andy Griffith. I keep going back and closing the prison cell. If you've never watched it, you need to go see it. It's ironic. Every weekend, Otis gets blasted, protect himself and everybody else. He goes and he puts himself in jail, closes the door. Aunt B feeds him. It's a great life. And yet, that's what we do all the time. We self-incarcerate when Jesus is saying, I, I, I open the prison door for you. I set the captives free. Why do you keep coming back to that place? And here's what I propose. Because we don't fully understand the love, grace, and mercy of God. So we feel like if I go spend a weekend in jail... 
then that's going to pay penance and God's going to see I'm really serious. No, God doesn't look at you going back to prison. He looks at your heart of repentance to say, now that's what I'm looking for. But too many people try to justify their sin. I, I have learned that the more I own it, the better I am and the more liberated I am because I've owned it. Now, I hear people say, well, you know, I wouldn't have done that, but you were so stupid and you drove me to it. No, you're the stupid one for letting somebody behind the wheel of your life and letting them drive you to something that you didn't want to do and experience something you didn't want to experience. That was your choice. Things don't just happen. If you heard my call Wednesday night, we create what's, what's happening in our lives, the choices we make, the decisions, and, and we create that. But it says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned in the Greek damnation or judgment. He is crossed over from death to life. And so we have a lot of believers hooked up on spiritual breathing machines. If you go to a hospital, there are people that they're not aware, they're not awake, they're in a coma, but they're alive. And they're alive because they've got all this, these, this equipment hooked up to them, breathing for them and doing all the feeding tubes and all that. And, and, and really, they look dead, but they're hooked up to this life support stuff. And we have a lot of Christians that, yeah, they're alive, but they're not breathing on their own. They're not eating on their own. They're not feeding themselves. They're, they're alive, but they're really immobilized. They're not alive. They're, they're just existing. They're still human. They're still just as viable as a person that's running a marathon, but they're not able to function without that machinery. God says, I've come to take you off of the things that you thought you needed. I am your life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So why are we submitting to things that create a spiritual paralysis or put us in a spiritual coma and much of that is we get saved but we never leave the fear behind and I believe that we're going to see all kinds of people in heaven that we had prejudice against on earth because they weren't like us. They weren't like me. And, and there are people who have already condemned people to hell based on your own religious opinion of their behavior. I'm being calm this morning because this is a difficult topic. I get everybody mad at me on this one because there are the people that want to be told what to do so you can go to heaven. And I don't have a long dissertation on that. I have one statement. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's not complicated. But then, with that, then somebody takes the foundational scripture that you'll have eternal life and will not be condemned, and then they add to that. Now, let me attempt to preach this right. If I don't, I'll get it at 11. I'm going to get it right. 
Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were, listen to this, held slavery by their fear of death. Many Christians are happy until they start thinking about death. Why are they, do they get unhappy? Because now you're out of control. Totally. You're going to wake up somewhere. And you hope it's where there's air conditioning and not just heaters. But more than that, most people are robbed of being truly free, not just by death, but by the thought of dying. About five years before my father found out he had pancreatic cancer, I was talking to him one day, and, he, you know, he was getting older up in the years, and I said, he, I said, well, Dad, are you afraid of death? He said, no, but I'm afraid of dying. In other words, he said, I'm afraid of the process. What does that look like? Can I just tell you something? I don't ever think about dying because that's not under my control. What well, could be if I do something stupid, but I'm just saying, that, and, and so right about, it would have been three months or two months before he died, it was just he and I sitting in his house. And I said, Dad, tell me, some years ago you told me, or maybe he even said this before I asked him, he said, I'm no longer afraid of dying. And he knew he only had months to live. But he had crossed over somehow over that five-year period where he said, I'm no longer afraid of dying. You see, the reason I'm preaching this is because we, we, we all have more awareness, I think, of who we're not and, and, and why we shouldn't go to heaven and why we shouldn't be forgiven. And we measure our lives by our own actions and behavior instead of measuring our lives by the behavior of God who sent his only son to die on the cross not knowing whether or not we would give our lives to him or not. And what liberates me is when I really wake up one day and I just trust God. I just absolutely wake up and I go, I got so many things working against me right now that I just need to trust God. I just need to look and say, you know what? What's going to be is going to be. And, and, and if something bad happens, if I put my faith in him, he will take care of the bad and, and I will have more than what I lost. I don't know how he's going to do it. There's one great line on a show I watched, and I won't tell you what it was because some of you would judge me. I mean, it, it, it could be a Mary Poppins show, and some of you would judge me. People really can't fly with an umbrella. You know, I mean, but there was a conversation between two of the key actors, and one of them, one of the, the key, key actor told his assistant, Here's what we're going to do, and went on and won. And, and he, the assistant just sat there quietly. And the lead actor said, aren't you going to ask me why? And the, and, and the assistant said, I figure if you wanted me to know why, you would tell me. He didn't even ask him, why are we doing this? He just said, I figure if you want me to know why, you'll tell me. Listen, if God wants you to know why, he'll tell you. Don't ask God why. If he wants you to know why, he will tell you. Ask God what? What do you want me to do now? What can I do to contribute to the blessing that you want to put on me? 
Instead, we go spend our whole lives saying, God, why did my dad die? Because he was old. <laughs> Nobody gets out of this alive. Quit asking, why did they die? People die. I can't explain it. Even some young people. And now I'm at an age where I envy them. I'm so tired of the chaos that every now and then I, I really just, I just want to talk to Jesus and say, hey, why don't you go to the barn? The horse is ready. Tell the servants to saddle that sucker up. Get your musician to, to lick his lips and put the horn to his mouth. And Larry the Cable Guy Christianity, get her done. Because this thing's a mess. Then I look and I say, but God is now giving us an opportunity to grow closer to him, wiser in him, and giving us the strength, power, and ability to connect with the lost world without getting angry. I, I don't like all the fights. I don't like all the protests. I don't, I don't like all that. Why can't people just stand up and say, you know, if, if I have a position of authority and power, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of saying, yeah, my opponent's a true idiot. And let me tell you all the stupid things they've done. It becomes a stupid fest. And they're all stupid anyway. Because they're a part of the human race. We've all made mistakes. I don't need to point out your mistakes to make me feel better. And hopefully you don't point out mine because I make them in front of you every Sunday. So, 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be, listen, this is where you have to finish. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he walks us through the power of sin, the sting of sin, and the law, and, and, but then he says, but, but thanks be to God. See, we don't finish reading. we got to finish reading, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. In other words, we can celebrate every day in the midst of a, 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 a temporal loss, a, a human loss. We always have spiritual victory. And we have to engage in that spiritual victory to overcome our human losses. Because I've had some. And the only way we get through this is to look to him. Now listen to this, Hebrews 10. You feel like you're in a college classroom today because I'm not going off on tangents yet. This is Bible teaching 101. If we deliberately keep on sinning, and this is key, after we've received knowledge of the truth. Now, please don't miss this, because this is a scripture religious people say, you can't keep on sinning. All of us are going to hell then. After receiving knowledge, it doesn't say, listen to this, key word. It doesn't say after accepting knowledge or after accepting him, but rather it says, have received the knowledge. In other words, if I was not a Christian, you came up to me, and you shared anything. It used to be the four spiritual laws. They don't really work, exist anymore because they're kind of mean. Because you come up to somebody, anytime you use the word law, those of us who have broken it, 
get a little frightened. But after you've received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. In other words, once you've heard about Jesus who came to set the captives free and you ignore that knowledge, he's saying here there's no sacrifice left. In other words, he's the only sacrifice that can set the sinner free or set the captive free. Because this almost messed my whole sermon up. I had to really bite down on this and go, now, hold on, God. I, even I'm a little confused here. But then he pointed out to me, they have not accepted me. They keep on sinning. They have knowledge that they don't have to be controlled by sin anymore, but they reject the knowledge and re- thus, in doing so, reject me. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hmm. Now that defines it even further, the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses and died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God under his foot? Now, ponder this. How do we trample? By rejecting the passionate love and grace that came to us on the cross. Basically, you're looking at the cross, you're looking at the price paid, and you go, eh, I don't think so. Now, I'm going to take this down to a real carnal level. If somebody said, look, I want you to go to the Lamborghini dealership. There's There's a Lamborghini there. I've already paid for it. They don't tell me the color of it. They don't tell me the options. But I'm thinking, it's a Lamborghini. And I, I'm like, I can't wait to get there. But then I go and come to find out it's Mary Kay Pink. I don't do pink. And I look and say, if you're going to buy me a Lambo, let's get a color that Everybody's not going to look and go, it's a Lambo, but yuck, Pepto-Bismol. What I've just said to the purchaser of that Lamborghini is, thanks, but no thanks. And you basically take that gift that was, and even if you take it, you're not happy about it. Look, when you get born again, and Christ has offered you forgiveness for your sin... You just take it and go, I'm driving this sucker no matter what. I'm living in this. But what people do is they hear about grace. They hear about salvation. They hear about redemption. They hear about forgiveness. And they do nothing with the information that they've just been given freely. who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Do you know how many people, not just unbelievers, have insulted the spirit of grace? It's called religion. That, That when you start talking about grace and sin at the same time, religious people get very uncomfortable Because they really 
with good intentions want to do right, but they want to do right so that they can be right. And the only way I can be right is because he did right. And I accepted his did right instead of my be right. All right? And so when we start talking about judgment, we get all, I used to get panicked, man. When I'd go into church and the, and the preacher would talk, even use the word judgment or the book of Revelation, I'm like, I'm out. I was scared to death. I, I know nobody had ever taught me about the grace of God. Nobody had ever talked to me about mercy triumphing over judgment or where sin abounds, grace doesn't. I never heard those scriptures. Love, it, it never fails. The scriptures that keep us free. If you can remember nothing about the Bible, remember those things. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment is very simple. That if you judge yourself, and I judge myself as needing Christ, that's how I get free. Otherwise, if I don't do that, then I will fall under his judgment when I die. I've already determined I am judged but thank God, I found Jesus who said, it's all right. I took for you what you were supposed to suffer for. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here because I can. This point fits better. Forgive me. This is just, hold on, time out. There's a note in Okay, this is really a great way to make this point. The same young man through a clerical, hold on, hold on, hold on. Got to make sure I got this right. Dude, dude, sorry. Kind of, but I'm no longer judged. Oh, here we go. I, I don't know if I'll find my way back, so. In a moment, I'm going to ask Siri, which page am I supposed to be on? Dwight L. Moody told of a young man who did not want to serve in Napoleon Bonaparte's army. When he was drafted, a friend volunteered to go in his place. The substitution was made, and sometime later, the surrogate warrior or soldier was killed in battle. The same young man was, through a clerical area, drafted again. Now, you know this stinks. You can't take me, he told the startled officers. I'm dead. I died on the battlefield. They argued that they could see him standing right in front of them, but he insisted that they look on the roll to find the record of his death. Sure enough, there on the roll was the man's name with another name written beside it. The case finally went through the emperor himself. After explaining the evidence, Napoleon said, through a surrogate, this man has not only fought, but he has died in his country's service. No man can die more than once, therefore the law has no claim on him. Two thousand years ago, Jesus went to a cross to bear the penalty that rightly belonged to us. He died in our place, and through him, our names are written in the book with his name written beside ours. It's a beautiful story of how Jesus took our place, and many people 
keep trying to climb back into a place of taking over and saying, well, I guess I have to go do something again. i got to die again. You cannot die twice. If you do, I want to meet you. And there will be probably somebody come up to me and say, I've done that. Well, okay, you're weird and go somewhere else. <laughs> the observances and ceremonies of Judaism, which have been full meaning while they pointed to him who was to come, have lost all their virtue through his coming. Even more for such sin as this, the sin of knowing and willful rejection of the only sin offering, God has provided not a, not a, God has provided not other sacrifice. This was pointed at the Jews and ceremonies. Now listen, five judgments and I'll be done. Number one, the judgment of the believer. In the first judgment, the sins of the believers have already been judged in Christ on the cross. So you see what I'm saying? So before you die, if you're a believer, that judgment's already happened. You're, you're done. You're good. You're like, you, you got a fast pass. Because what you did was you judged yourself and you judged yourself in need of a Savior and you said, he's the one who died for me in the battle called life. I can't die twice. So therefore, I get to go in. And many people say, well, you know, do I really get to go in? You know, I did accept Christ, but I haven't really lived the best life. You're right. The devil stole from you the life that Jesus paid for you to hear, have here on earth. Stole it from you or you gave it to him. People who do not live the abundant life are not bad people. They're just people who have given up their right to live that abundant life. You see, there are a lot of religious people who don't believe in blessing. Matter of fact, if you talk to some religious people, well, that's the only reason you're in this, to be blessed. Well, duh. Yeah, kind of, since that's a part of the package that I was offered when I gave my life to him. Do I want to disregard that page? I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. No, Jesus, it's okay. I'll just pay hell on earth so I can go to heaven. That's how religious people think. They think, you know, if I have a tough life here, and if I, if I, just, if I just, just bear it, just, just grind it out, Jesus is going to be real proud of me. He's going to look and say, I'm so proud of you. you. You lived a poor life in every way. You didn't want anything. Your double wide was good enough. Because here's what happens. There's the economic argument that people who don't have criticize those who do. People who do have criticize those who don't. Well, you can live however you want, but I'm just saying grinding it out does not impress God. God's not impressed with you going, well, you know, I could have had that, but didn't want to drive it because my neighbors would, well, let them talk. Let him talk. I can't believe you got that new car. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? Well, how come you got it and I didn't? I, I guess because I went and bought it. <laughs> you can do the same thing I did. But people want you to suffer. Human nature is always wanting somebody else to do worse than you. And it's called jealousy. Instead of rejoicing when good things happen, because you're still living under judgment, the cloud of judgment. Number two, the judgment of, of the believer's self. In the second judgment, the believer is to judge self. 
or to be judged by the Lord Jesus and disciplined. So, before you take communion, the Apostle Paul says, examine, or the Greek says, judge yourself. Before you receive communion, judge yourself. Why am I taking this? Because I've judged that I am a sinner saved by grace, and I need Jesus. That's the judgment of self. Now, the people who don't think they need Jesus will then be judged because they decided they didn't need to judge themselves, and and they didn't need Jesus. Number three, the judgment of the believers works, and this is where rewards come in. The third judgment, all believers must appear at the judgment seat of Christ where the works are, are to be judged. It doesn't mean they're going to be judged to come into heaven or not to get into heaven, but for what they've done on earth. I mean, I guess they're going to be suburbs. I don't quite know how this works, and I haven't spoken to anyone who's been there and came back and went, hey, there were some really good-looking track homes. Uh, the Bible says in, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you might be also. So, again, I, I, I told you I would step on some toes, and I, I'm not judging anybody for how you live or don't live or what you own or don't own. What I'm saying is our happiness and our joy is often to c- connected to our possessions or lack of. And that, that incarcerates us because our joy should not be connected to Gucci, it should be connected to gotcha. God's saying, I gotcha. And then many people say, well, I ain't happy unless I'm throwing around a Louis Vuitton. And most of them are fake anyway, but it's cool. I think that's smart. Anyway, so, again, I don't care. I, I, I've got a friend who is a label anyway. And I'm like, I like him. He's a great friend, has been. But, man, he'll tell you what kind of watch he's got on, what kind of shoes he's got on. And I'm like, dude, I'm feeling all right now in whatever it is I got on. My $17 Amazon shirt wears just as good as your $900 Gucci Gachi Louie. I think if you're a believer and you buy one Louis, you ought to buy one for somebody else. By the way, I'm size large. All right, so. The fourth, the judgment of the nations. In the fourth judgment, all nations are to be judged at the second coming of Christ. Now, that's a whole semester of talking between the rapture, the catching up of the saints, and the second coming, Okay. I'm not going there today. It'd take forever. The judgment of the wicked in the fifth judgment, the wicked dead are judged at the great white throne. Those are the people that he's going to look and say, hey, hey. I can't even imagine being there. He's going to depart from me. I never knew you. And, and there is a lake of fire, and I don't say that lightly to scare anybody, but let me just say this. I ask this question all the time to people. What does it cost you to believe in Jesus? What's the cost? Well, you know, I'm just, it makes me weak. You're weak anyway. What's it cost for you to say, I believe in Jesus Christ? What's that cost you? You know what it is? It's a pride issue. And pride comes before the fall. 
If you cannot accept the fact that you're in need of a higher power, the one we call Jesus, if you're not aware of that, that's a dangerous place to be. And so I could just ask the question. I, I, you know, I asked the, the atheist one time that I met with, and it's a very polite and respectful conversation. I said, look, let's just say you're right, and there is no God. Let's just say you're right. There's no God. I said, the God that you don't believe in, the one I decided to believe in in 1977, forever changed my life from probably being dead, alcoholic, drug addict. And, and let's just say he doesn't exist, but I believed he did, and it changed the way I behaved and lived and experienced life. I said, I haven't lost one thing. I mean, we all go into dust, dirt, wherever it is you think we go. I said, but if I'm right, and there is a Jesus, and you have to call on his name to be saved, if I'm right, and you're wrong, eternity is going to be a really bad, bad time for you. He ended up getting saved years later, and I did his funeral. Now, please understand... I wasn't the only one in his ear. His whole family was in his ear. And you could say, well, just not right for somebody to, in the last part, the last minute, give their life to Jesus. You're religious. Because I get excited. Because you know what we did? We plucked him out of the hands of Satan himself and said, you sucker. You had him his whole life. Now he's going to spend eternity with Jesus. We're so excited that it was a deathbed type conversion come on somebody Woo! don't get mad at people who do it in the last minute what it says about you is you wish you'd live like the devil and had every opportunity to do what he did but now you live for jesus and you missed out on all the sinful fun dang it that's what i get i get i, I just think about people like that that get mad and i can't he just gave his life to jesus because he didn't want to go to hell Duh! He's brilliant. Yeah, I've decided I don't want to go to hell. I'm going to do this last-minute thing. Brilliant, sucker. Now, you were robbed of an abundant life on earth, but you get to go to heaven, and I'm so happy for you, so proud of you. We've been praying for you, believing for you. You should never be happy that anybody goes to hell. I know you want several of your exes there, but hey, we're believing God. All judgments differ as to time, place, and purpose. And I will conclude with this because this needs to be said. You've heard me say it a million times, but repetition is the mother of learning. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Now, if you want to edit this, fact check it. Let me finish. People choose to go to hell. God's not in heaven going, I cannot wait to kick them out. I can't wait. Okay, you're, yeah, you're a sorry. No, God wants, he says, not my will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So when people start saying, well, how can God be so mean that he condemns people to hell? No, he said, look, I've set before you life and death. You get to choose. There's nothing greater than that freedom. I'm so thankful God didn't say, you will serve me or I will smite thee. You'll eat at McDonald's the rest of your life. After five kids, I don't even want to see a big M. 
So, 2 Corinthians, I close with this. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is really genuine. Test yourselves. If you cannot tell that Christ is among you, it means that you have failed the test. Well, you know, I know Christ is among me. I've checked it out. I check it out. I examine myself. I judge myself. And what I realize, the older I get and the closer I get to God, I need him more than I ever thought I did. When I first got saved, I knew I really needed him, right? I'm I'm a sinner. I'm not living right. But as I've grown in God, I have gone, wow, I really, like, need you now. Because I know some things, and I know what to do. And the Bible says, see, him knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him as sin. So I know what to do. So, God, I need you more than ever because I have knowledge I didn't have before. I sinned in ignorance. And now if I sin, I sin in knowledge. I know the right thing to do. And sometimes I don't do it. I am going to honk at you if you drive stupid. Susan goes, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And she sees my hand on that. And don't do it. And I said, Connie, please, because that was really a dumb move. You see what I'm saying? We wrestle. We wrestle. I mean, I'm not trying to platform Mark Crow, but I'm just saying those are some things I know I shouldn't. I should, when somebody tries to get in, you know, the, the, the lanes are merging, and you look in your side mirror, and they're flying to get past it. I just want to pull over. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, no, ain't happening. And I love truckers who do that. I want to go, you sinned on my behalf. We wrestle with simple things, but I know that I should be kind. And I have to, I, I, it's, it's kind of prideful, but every now and then I'll look at Susan when I do something nice. You see what I just did? I let three cars in. And I would have been great to only let one in, but I'm magnificent. I let three in. Three idiots that saw the merge sign just like I did, but chose not to move over when the state law said you should. And I was so kind. I really do have a moment. You think I'm just really kind, but I do have those moments where I feel so good about it. Because my flesh did not want to do that. My flesh wanted to do numerous things that are not appropriate for the platform of a preacher. So what I want to say to you is, whoever the Son sets free is truly free. And if you're not living free, maybe you should start looking more to him instead of looking in the mirror at yourself and going, I'm such a bad person. I, I, I never do anything right. I'm no good. I sinned. Today's Sunday. That's why we have church on Sunday because Saturday night's party night. And it's real quick, good to get it over with. Like, I'm going to church on Sunday. Maybe I'll feel better on Monday when I go to work, and I'll work myself back up to another Saturday. <laughs> I, I did that for a long time, man. I'd be uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. Oh, God. I, I was at the altar all the time. I, yeah, I'm crying right now. I'm such a man's God. Over time, I realized God's looking and said, look, kid, I love you. You're coming to heaven, but you're paying hell on earth. Stop. Not God is like, I'm so mad at you. You're so. No, he's like, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to deprive yourself of the abundant life I've offered you. So just judge before you do it and go, this is a dumb decision. Okay? I want you to be free. 
not to live your whole life thinking that if you're not perfect, you're not going to heaven. No, you're just not going to experience heaven as God would have you experience here on earth. And I'm not, this is not a cheap grace, folks. I'm just telling you, I'm just reading the Bible. He doesn't say, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you live perfectly from that point forward, you will go to heaven. That's how that would read. It doesn't read that way. Now, hopefully no preachers of religion listen to this message. I will get cards and letters that are not birthday cards, nor get well quick. No, they might be get well soon. I don't know. But God loves you, and you need to love God, and you need to love you. And trust that you're going to heaven not because you're good, but because you've exercised faith in him and understood his grace. And you know what? When you start understanding that, you won't say, I have to do right. You have a passion to do right. Because when you love somebody, you want to express that love to them. You want to do right. That's what I'm talking about in relationship with Jesus. I want to do right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everything that you do and everything that you are in your patience with us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. What that means is right now you're judging and saying, I know I may even be a good person. But I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Christ. I've not accepted the cross. And I've not accepted the king of the cross. I want you to pray this with me. And everyone in here pray this with those who are watching. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I call on the name above all names, your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310 and just put your name and SAVED. That will send it to the right category, all right? Uh, afterwards, after we're concluded here, any of you in-house who prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to meet with one of our prayer team members and say, today I made a change. I'm going to trust Jesus and give my life to him. And they'll keep praying for you all the time. And, and don't be afraid of them. They're really good people. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.